Hi, I'm Brian Pearson. This is The Mystic Cave. We were born before the wind Also younger than the sun And our bonnet boat was one As we sailed into the mystic Hark now hear the sailors The Mystic cry. Cave is a sanctuary for the seeker. Stories, conversations, and reflections about the spiritual journey on the other side of Churchland. Through the summer months, I'm offering something a little lighter than our usual fare. This is because I need to take a break from producing a weekly program, and because you might enjoy some summertime storytelling to take with you onto the back deck or out on a road trip. Each week, I'll be reading from How the Light Gets In, a collection of my short stories published by the Anglican Book Centre back in 1999. Despite my urge to do some major rewriting, I've tried to leave these stories pretty much as they were, except where I couldn't help myself. I'll release two stories a week, one on Sunday and one on Thursday. If you don't want to miss a story... Be sure to subscribe on whatever format you use for your podcasts. And while you're at it, give the podcast a rating. That helps spread the word. I hope you enjoy these homespun tales as we all take our summer sun. Weddings are us. Father David bent over and planted a kiss on the top of Catherine's head. She didn't look up from her dolls, but asked him as he left the room, You go meeting, Daddy? He stopped at the door and smiled, Yes, Daddy, go meeting, sweetie. He went down the hall and looked in on Paul, who was sitting up in the bathtub. Good night, buddy, he said. See you in the morning. Paul, for some reason, had a washcloth on his head, one corner dripping down over his eyes and nose. Daddy, he said, why do you go out so much? It's my job, Paul. I've got to meet with some people. Why don't you meet with them in the morning when I'm at kindergarten? They couldn't see me in the morning. For a moment, the silence connected them. I'll tuck you in when I get home. I might be asleep, but you can wake me up. Okay, buddy. Good night. Downstairs in the kitchen, Beverly was on the phone talking to her sister. They were making plans for a family get-together at Christmas. We can't get away until after lunch, though, she was saying. David has his service at ten. We could be on the road by one. David waved to get her attention and pointed silently to the church. She waved back with her fingers. He put on his boots and overcoat and quietly closed the door behind him. It was late in November and already feeling like deep winter. The night was black and the frozen earth crunched beneath his feet as he headed across the road to the church. His white breath swirled in front of him in vanishing mists. He pulled up his collar, wishing he had thought to grab his scarf, too. 
It was a night as dark as this that he and Beverly, ten years ago next Wednesday, had leaned into one another as they headed out from their wedding reception, waving goodbye to their family and friends, pointing the headlights toward the highway and their new life together. It occurred to him he still hadn't got an anniversary present for her. What's ten years? Bronze or nickel? Some kind of metal? Tin. It was tin. What can you buy of value made of tin? A badge, maybe, for putting up with him. His meeting at the church was with a couple he'd not met before. The bride-to-be had called earlier in the week, asking to speak with the reverend. How much did he charge, she wanted to know, to do a wedding? And was the church available on a certain date several weeks hence? He had been non-committal, suggesting that they meet together first and talk about it. Her name was Randy, with an I. She and her fiancé, Todd, were waiting in their car in front of the church, the windows frosted up, the heater and the car stereo blasting away inside as white fumes rose from the car's tailpipe into the still air. As Father David unlocked the front doors, the car engine was turned off and the couple got out, following him inside. In the cramped vestry, Father David took his seat opposite them behind his desk, They kept their coats on and leaned forward in the two chairs provided for them, as if perhaps they hoped this would only take a few minutes, as if they had other things to do with their evening. They did not appear to be out of their teens. Father David tried to smile through his weariness and put forward a friendly face, the face of the welcoming church to these two youngsters. He asked them how they'd met. Friends, Todd answered, and they stared back at Father David. "'Friends?' he inquired. "'Yeah, I was going out with Randy's sister,' Todd said, as if that explained everything. "'You were going out with Randy's sister,' Father David repeated. "'Yeah, but I didn't, like, actually meet her until a friend of ours—well, he isn't really a friend, but sort of an acquaintance, like he had this party. And Randy was sort of going out with him at the time, but he was being a real jerk. So I was coming off work, eh? And I guess I'd had a few drinks. So I come to this party, right?' David hadn't been drinking the night he met Beverly, but the effect was similar. He was a young deacon and assistant curate at the cathedral. She was a novice at the Anglican Order of St. Cecilia. He had taken the youth group to the convent during the Christmas holidays for a light program of daytime outdoor orienteering and evening Bible study. Beverly was assigned to the group to assist David in leading the evening sessions and to play her guitar for some group singing. It impressed him that she was so confident with this age group. Her good nature and plump, energetic presence provided an infectious atmosphere of holiday cheer, and they all liked her immediately. When David led in the discussion, she was attentive, adding illustrations to support what he was saying. When he was ready to take a break, she would suggest a song they might sing. How quickly and easily they became a team. So I just looked at her and she was like gorgeous, eh? Todd was saying, stealing a sideways glance at Randy to gauge her reaction to the compliment as if this wasn't his usual style. Randy's face, meanwhile, revealed nothing. And you, Randy, how did you feel meeting Todd? Father David asked. I I thought he was kind of cute, she said, without smiling. 
The last evening of the retreat, David and Beverly ended up taking over the discussion themselves, as one by one the kids drifted off to their rooms. The two of them were so caught up with one another, they hardly noticed them leaving, until a hush fell on the guest house, and it became clear that it was late and that they were alone. They spoke openly about important things like vocation and family and shared values. By the time they parted well past midnight, something had passed between them, something that made the leave-taking awkward the next day. Beverly wouldn't look at David directly as she said her goodbyes to the group. There had been some sort of fight out on the lawn, Todd was explaining, so he asked if Randy wanted to leave. She did, and that was it. That was it, Father David asked. Yep, I guess we've been together ever since, Todd said, looking over at his fiancée. Three weeks later, David had received a note from Beverly. It began formally thanking David for the opportunity of working with him and the young people from his church and saying how much she had enjoyed meeting them all. And then her words took an unexpected turn. She wrote that she had especially appreciated the time they had spent together talking that last evening. It had been very refreshing and she had found herself surprisingly comfortable with him, in fact, more comfortable than she had ever been with anyone else. This helped her make a decision she had been wrestling with for some time, a decision about her religious vocation. She had decided not to follow through with the profession of her vows for the time being, but to seek a leave of absence from the order while she sorted things out in her own heart and mind, She was not asking anything of him. She was just letting him know, though she would be pleased to get together for a coffee, maybe, if he wanted to. He wanted to. So, why is it you want to get married? Father David asked. Todd and Randy looked at him blankly. They didn't seem to have an answer. I mean, these days, some people would consider living together good enough, Father David said. Well, we love each other, right? Todd answered. And Randy, like, wants the wedding thing, you know, the dress and all that. It's not just that, Randy cut in, her eyes staring at the carpet in front of her. I mean, I I do want that. I've always wanted that. Who doesn't? So, what is the reason, Randy? Father David probed. What is the reason you want to get married? The two fell silent. Father David began to get the idea. Are you pregnant, Randy? David had entered his own marriage, a virgin, It was an improbable state for a young man his age. Sure, he had performed the requisite blind groping and fumbling on a few dates, but it never led anywhere. He had begun wondering if perhaps he wasn't the type to get married, though celibacy had never called to him as an option. Beverly was more experienced. Her buoyant personality had ensured her a measure of popularity at school, but it had also attracted boys who interpreted her easygoing nature as meaning she was simply easy. More recently, she had come to believe that her ruddy face and rotund body precluded any lasting intimacy with a man, though her natural curiosity continued to nudge her in that direction. So their lovemaking had been a wonder-filled revelation to them both. He proved a careful lover, sensitive and patient. She, in turn, offered him adventurous variations on their routine, which proved unnecessary in any case because their shared intimacy was more than enough for him, and he was satisfied. Did the two of you talk this out? Father David asked. If it weren't for the pregnancy, would you be getting married? 
Like I said, Todd answered, leaning forward in his chair, we love each other, man. What, what is it you're like trying to get at? I'm not trying to get at anything, Father David said, rubbing his forehead with the tips of his fingers. I'm only asking if you've thought this through. Do you talk, the two of you? Do you have conversations about your relationship, your future together? Disagreements, maybe? Do you settle those disagreements when you have them? It amazed David that he and Beverly so seldom fought. He wondered if perhaps this was an unhealthy sign. Normal couples fight, don't they? But it didn't feel unhealthy. Somehow, they had both carved out their respective areas of responsibility and authority. Beverly ran the home. That was her choice, and she really didn't want her husband interfering too much with the day-to-day operation of the household, which included the budget and the cash flow. He never even saw his paycheck. For his part, David was expected to do a share of the chores and, on Saturdays, fix things around the house and yard. Beverly kept a list for this purpose attached by a magnet to the side of the fridge. This meant he could make a contribution without getting underfoot. It also meant that Beverly could become, without compunction, his strongest supporter in his ministry, helping out where she could as a member of the Altar Guild and the director of the fledgling youth choir, but never overstepping her bounds, the parameters of which they both instinctively understood. If theirs was a traditional marriage, that was not a problem for either of them. They fit, as their friends told them on their wedding day, in speeches that poked only the gentlest fun at these two earnest young adults— The party only really got going after David and Beverly left, the beer flowing and the music cranking up by degree. Out of love, no one ever told them this. Well then, is there anything the two of you wanted to ask me? Father David inquired of Todd and Randy. So how much will it cost? Randy asked him. Father David's head dropped as he considered the question. Five thousand dollars would not be too much, he thought. Maybe ten That's what they'd be spending on the reception, he was certain. He could just see it. And another thing about the bride, some school buddy would be slurring, the microphone squealing as he holds on to it for balance. Another thing you probably don't know. You know the dugout at the park and the graffiti inside? Well, there's like one that says... The speaker chortles with unrestrained glee, as if this moment might just be the very apex of his existence, a room full of people hanging off his every word. He could go on like this for hours. And he does. Father David had seen it all. In the days when he and Beverly regularly attended wedding receptions, he had watched, horrified, as people entered into lifelong debt for the sake of an outward show that included an open bar a chauffeur-driven limousine, perhaps a horse and carriage. Father David had seen that too. Ill-fitting tuxes and bad haircuts, plunging necklines and plastic bouquets. Then a quick drunken departure, a blurred round trip to Mexico, and when the dazed couple returns, a leather-bound photo album filled with 8 by 10 glossies to remember the whole sordid affair. No, $10,000 would not be too much. Father David raised his eyes and looked across at them. "'It'll cost you a dollar,' he said. Todd looked at Randy, smiling. Randy looked across at Father David, uncomprehending. "'Though I want you to think about it,' Father David added. "'Are you kidding?' Todd shot back, smiling crookedly. "'We don't have to think about it. A buck? Really?' 
No, Father David said evenly, I want you to go home and think about it. Think about what your marriage is worth to you. If it's only worth a buck, that's all it'll cost you. If it's worth more, then you can give the church more, okay? Think about it. He closed his file folder and rose from his chair, extending his hand to each of them in turn, wishing them a good night. As he heard the heavy latch fall on the front door of the church, he reached up and pulled down his coat from the hook behind the door. A dull ache spread through his lower back as he did up each of the buttons. He made his way through the church, turning off lights and locking doors behind him, stepping out into the crisp, clear night. The sky above was brilliant with stars, lively and winking down at him, stretching almost to the horizon on all sides. Across the road in the rectory, a light went on in an upstairs window. That would be Beverly getting ready for bed. He stood in the stillness for a moment, gazing across at the house until his eyes began to water in the cold. He pulled up his collar and headed for home. And when that fog on blows I will be coming home And when that fog on blows I wanna hear it I don't wanna fear it And I wanna rock your gypsy soul I've been reading from my book, How the Light Gets In, a collection of short stories. I'll be rolling out two stories a week in the Mystic Cave through the summer months, and then returning to an interview format come the fall, when we'll be turning our attention to views of death and dying on the other side of Churchland. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch, you can write to me personally at mysticcaveman53 at gmail.com. As always, thanks for listening. I'm Brian Pearson. This has been The Mystic Cave. But it's too late to stop now. It's too late to stop now.